Okay, you know the score by now. It's me, Toby Haydoke, and I've decided to improve the experience of watching Doctor Who by banging on throughout it. But I'm a goody two-shoes, so I'm trying to be all nice, uh, even during the terrible stories. And I've got a friend to choose their favourite things. Yada, yada, yada. Hello, Toby. And hello, faithful viewers and listeners of Toby's Happy Times and Places. It's an utter, utter pleasure to be a guest on here. Um, I am Anthony Townsend, and today I'm here about something that's definitely feels like a happy time and place for me, Time of the Rani. Welcome to Happy Times and Places, or as this edition is called, How I Learned to Stop Worrying and Love Time and the Rani. I do love, although I don't know them hugely well, well I do I suppose, but the way that we know people is not to necessarily speak with them in person, um, although we have events and hung out and met up for a drink every now and again. Um, Anthony Townsend, uh, who's been an important part of Doctor Who fandom, but also more importantly has devoted their life to, you know, working in the charity sector and generally just trying to add a bit of sparkle to life, has had quite a serious medical diagnosis. Uh, I'm not going to go into too... Oh, I'm not going to go into, but um, trust me. Uh, and uh, is finding themselves in a position where uh, a little bit of financial support might just help at a very, very difficult time. So there will be a GoFundMe link in the blurb for this and I'll probably do one as a voiceover at the end as well uh, if you can give anything um, because as you'll see uh, Anthony is a tonic and has chosen for me Time and the Rani uh, not one of Doctor Who's most popular hour and a bits and certainly not in Haydoke Towers uh, but uh, uh, having watched episode one and uh, liked lots of it but also highlighted why I was very grumpy about it and always have been. Uh, I'm now going to go into episode two with fresh eyes and a spring in my step and perhaps a little pirouette as well. So <laughs> press play on Time and the Rani, episode two in three, two, one. Now, I, I didn't really mention the... Uh, the opening titles uh, last episode. I mean, this this was apart from the rocks, which I remember my friend Anton at school going, they they look like bits of plastic, you know, uh, and they do look a bit like bits of bits of plastic. But uh, the, the the rest of it looked, I mean, looked a million dollars at the time, and I still think looks pretty good. I suppose the bubble traps are slightly compromised by the fact that the TARDIS is in a bubble in the opening title. It was like, so b bubbles are a thing that you can do. Um, uh, now, and I seem to recall on episode four, didn't they? They used the they used the shot of the face, which isn't quite as distinct as that. I don't think I like the wink either. And I was, yeah, I have to say, I'm very the very galloping galaxies. The 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 logo there. Um, uh, uh, yeah, I do think it's it's Doctor Who's worst logo by a country mile. But that is where the criticism will stop. Uh, handsome Mark Greenstreet, uh, who's attacking his partners as grumpy good guy uh, with uh, with a lot of verve. Um, and how's Mel going to get out of this? Because we've only seen these blow up. Uh, it's going to land on some water. 
Oh, that's beautiful. But the colour of that water is beautiful as well. Look at that. Um, and I always think of sort of water in quarries or whatever as being all rather mucky. So, uh, 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 and, and obviously the, the, we, we, we come back to quarries with beautifully coloured water later in the McCoy era. I'm thinking of Greater Show in the Galaxy. Um, but it's it's great. It gives it a lovely alien look. Oh, she's screaming away, isn't she? Um she has to do a lot of sc it's odd because by this time the cliche of the screaming companion was very much something talked of and 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 i mean i remember my brothers and sisters saying that's a great cut of the cut of him doing that thing to the explosion lovely little cheat the the explosion of what the doctor's doing but my brothers and my brothers and my sister you know used to slag off sarah jane for being the one that screamed well well mel screams a lot and it's odd because that cliche was now part of the, you know, the lexicon of things that you level at Doctor Who. So I wonder why they made Mel scream so much. Uh, I suppose you have to scream if you're in jeopardy. I suppose you have to. But people don't scream in the same way on television anymore, do they? I don't know. I don't know. I might be talking out of my hat. I'm not wearing a hat. Because um, people have to show that they're in danger and they're in jeopardy. Um, but, but do people scream? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if you'd be allowed to as much these days. Uh, but it's hard. You know, it's hard to show, you know, peril, jeopardy, especially when you're acting to nothing. Um, but she was screaming quite a lot. Um. <laughs> um. Uh, uh, there's, a, there's a lot of his banging his nose, isn't he? They, they, they yeah. They're, they're attracted to the, the screaming and the slapstick seem to be odd choices for a program that's reputation is a little bit in in the doldrums for being a bit theatrical. Uh, yeah, like this throws that boom. Uh, but all that stuff's great. So it's quite a lot of contrasts of uh, uh, of stuff going on. I've got a feeling I think they might have shown that's a great shot. I think they might have shown the Tetrap's face in a trailer, um, which means that its final reveal is a is is a bit of a waste of time because it's already been spoiled. Um, but I I th I think he's he's very wise, Andrew Morgan, who's a very good director um, and a very experienced director. At this point, and they tried to get him and they tried to get him to do Time Flight. I know that. Um, so they they were they've been after him for Doctor Who for some time. Um, he's a nice guy, Andrew, as well. Um, uh, and yes, Donald Pickering, veteran actor Donald Pickering, Doc 2 magazine, had said, I mentioned this in episode one, but didn't complete what I was going to say, which was, I had just started collecting, um, you know, bootleg Doctor Who episodes, and I'd got uh, the Faceless Ones episode one, and I'd loved Captain Blade, and I didn't know the actor, and it was Donald Pickering. Uh but I, I don't think I'd put two and two together quite uh, when I read about it first. Um, but then eventually I, I did because I, I remember I remember it going back to Doctor Who magazine and, and I think thinking odd that it had described Donald Pickering as veteran actor Donald Pickering and Dot said who played Captain Blade in The Faceless Ones. And actually also uh, he's uh, Ison in... Uh, the keys of marinus so he'd done two doc twos but doc two magazine didn't mention mention that i remember at the time going well, they don't know what they're talking about um being a jumped up little pipsqueak that i i was um 
Well, I, I, yeah, was I? I don't know. Um, I think I just wanted to... Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what I wanted. I still don't know what I want. I like his mane. Uh, but anyway, Donald Pickering was in the Faceless Ones as... It's a great location, this, actually. Well done uh, to... I guess that's production manager Tony Redston, maybe. Um, or whoever. Whoever. Ah, there we go. Another scream from from Bonnie Langford there. Um, so the Tetraps have got... Uh, that's a is that that's like a glitter gun, isn't it? For the spot, poor old Bonnie Langford is just oh, that's that's a really tricky thing to have to do, and I feel for her a bit. So the, the, the Icona has sprayed the tetra with tinsel, tinsel and glitter. Uh, it's glitter. He's 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 sprayed it with tinsel. Is what's in the space corridor. Um, Are <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. Are, are, are curious ways of well they're ways of suggesting space and futuristics um but i yeah <laughs> but the tetraps are interesting aren't they because they're obviously sort of bat-like and they've got that nice idea of the of the sort of four eyes uh so they can see it 360 degrees which they then try and suggest with the the sort of clever you know the mix of the camera and then the melding and the and the picture you know forming on whatever they're concentrating on i like that that's an attempt to do something different i don't don't think the masks are, are, are hugely uh successful they're, they're sort of like bat dogs aren't they um but uh but it's it's an uh, it's an attempt at a, at a at a scary monster and they've got those they've got those horrible tongue things you don't often see the monster's tongue uh, unless it's a uh, you know a, a, uh, one which has a you could see the human mouth underneath so you know it's all a good way of uh you know getting monsters on you didn't see many monsters on telly in 1987 that's a great shot that's a great uh model effect because uh, obviously that's that's built into the uh that's built into the you, you know that's a that's a trick shot because uh, that's not that's not actually there i love a model prefer a bit of a model to a bit of cgi sometimes you know um but yeah i think that i think the locations are a, are a good design because you get the total performance um and i you know i don't know if that stuff on their head is supposed to be a hat or it's their skull in which case is the headband part of their skull but i don't mind that i don't mind that you know you have that same thing with the ice warriors where you know what's the mask what's the helmet what's the way well, you did until they decided to just anyway um uh, uh latterly but uh, i i quite like the idea that you're not quite sure um because it does because it doesn't matter so long as it all sort of fits together as a whole um and how do we feel about the question mark jumper because his costume is actually great i love his jacket and i love the fact that his jacket is clearly full of gubbins i mean i think we know now that it's, it's got sylvester mccoy's sides isn't it which is the, the small pages of script that you've got for that day um but i think his costume is brilliant but i'd lose the jumper uh and, and it's funny because some people don't like the question marks on on uh davison and baker's uh, collars but I like I liked those as a kid I thought oh it's a nice little touch but um, it, it's it's almost like somebody went we quite like that idea so now let's go bananas with it and it's been said 
probably better than I'm going to say it now, but you know, yeah, there's nothing like uh, emphasizing how enigmatic you are um, to, to, to do the complete opposite of being, you know, you, it's, that's a contradiction in terms, you know, and, and forced eccentricity is, is self-conscious eccentricity is not eccentricity. It's being annoying. Um, uh, as any, uh, you know, grown man who says, methinks my liege uh, in a normal conversation in a pub set these days you know you're not eccentric you're (laughs) well let's i'm not going to cast dispersions but yes uh wonder ventham cumberbatch mater um who yes who was in the faceless ones with donald pickering and in fact was great friends with donald pickering and in fact i think donald pickering is the godfather of benedict cumberbatch who is wonder ventham's son uh and I was at university with Benedict Cumberbatch. He was he was a little below me, but we hung around in the same circles. Um, well, what happened was I was I was I, I was mates with some people in the year, a couple of years below me, and we all did plays together. And then, but when I f- finished, Benedict Cumberbatch came up uh, under them. And when I finished the sort of parts in the plays that I used to play, uh, he he played. So he was my sort of replacement. Um, uh, I've I've never got to, I've never got to be sub for Cumberbatch. Uh, <laughs> uh, so the roles were never reversed. I just wasn't. On, I've never never even been on the same team. But uh, he was a, he was a fine actor. You know, he was an excellent actor even then. Um, and he actually befriended me on Facebook when. Uh, uh, he was he was on it, um, which I thought was very nice because we didn't know each other particularly well. We we sort of knew who each other were. Um, real tears from Wonder Ventham. See, he's of good stock. Uh, I, you don't see real tears in classic Who very often, uh, and that's there's a real there's a real dignity in the proper acting that uh, Wonder Ventham does there. Um, and yeah, Wonder Ventham and Donald Pickering were mates, um, so it's quite nice that they're in the faceless ones. And in this, uh, we've never. We, Wonder Ventham is on the Image of the Fendal DVD, which was the one I know they struggled to get people for for the commentary of the documentary. And yet, she's not on the DVD for this. I wonder. I haven't watched the special features. I don't know if they managed to get her for. Did they do any extra documentaries for this? Um, but we couldn't get her for the faceless ones, which is odd because she's always somebody that uh, I know has cooperated and uh, 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 and happily given interviews for. Uh, magazines and stuff so um and she was she was also friends with my friend del del henny who was uh, she was in a thing well there was a time when she was in a thing with him called fallen hero but there was a time when wonder ventham was you know the tv leading lady the lotus eaters um uh, she's got she's an absolutely beautiful woman with stunning eyes and she's a she's a good actress and she was she was in so much. She was the, she, the the gold robber. She was in all sorts of stuff, all sorts of stuff, and deservedly so. Um, so that annoyed me when I think her and her and Benedict Cumberbatch's dad, Timothy Carlton, um, were were in an episode of Sherlock, and one of the papers went, uh, "Benedict Cumberbatch's parents are in it, but you know they are they are actors. They've got equity cards and everything." And it's like it's Wonder Ventham. Oh come on! I yeah, I can understand the person on the street now, maybe not knowing one, but somebody who writes about television for a living, having to sort of apologetically go, "It's Benedict Cumberbatch's mom." Um, ah, the Rani has just then been hoist by her own petard, 
because uh, that was her disguised as Mel, wasn't it? Uh, and uh, uh, the disguise was too good, uh, which is quite a funny switcheroo. Um, the, the music's gone into this is a comedy scene mode again. But this is... Um, it's yeah that's i mean this this is all stuff that you would you could sort of get away with if it was done on stage um it's it's but it is a bit it is it it's a bit sort of tv yeah it's it's choreographed for a one take you know it's it's nowadays what you do is if you had a scene where they had to sort of tumble with each other that's quite funny though it just to take a wig off um you know you do that in separate shots and stuff like that um whereas that all had to be done to be captured in you know in one sequence and a multi-camera so we, we've got to acknowledge that um and i think richard gauntlet as Urak Urak does a good does a good performance um because it's quite a hard it's quite a hard job and due to an interview with him we discovered who one of the other people up for uh, the doctor was because he was in a play with Hugh Futcher, who is another sort of diminutive, uh, eccentric performer. Hugh, he's in episode one of the Sea Devils, and they saw him uh, for the role of the Seventh Doctor. So they were clearly going for the sort of Troughton-esque vibe, and and I think on this they've got Dermot Crowley's uh, uh, audition, which is quite Troughton-esque as well. Which which I think was a which was a good move after the big sort of overbearing. Colin Baker to try and recapture some of the sort of pixie-like qualities that the Doctor can have. We haven't had a pixie-like Doctor in uh, in this era, really. I mean, Matt Smith is quite Troughton-esque and, and quite McCoy-esque, actually. That sort of, that brilliant, look at his eyes, that brilliant sort of melancholy. Uh, anyway, uh, yeah. Um, nice to know who, yeah, who they were looking at as, as alternatives. Oh, uh, Oh, yeah, and we like the double pulse. Yeah. And I, I think he's quite sweet here, isn't he? I see. I, which, which is very helpful. Uh, although... Mel? Ah, oh, that's very sweet. Um, now, interesting that she goes, I know about regeneration, of course, because we just need to get over this and get into the story. Whereas, of course, every time the series is relaunched now, the, uh, you know, we're, I think they, they, they make more of a meal of regeneration in order to bring in, you know, casual viewers who might go, well, I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, I've watched it for ages, but I'll, I'll watch to see what the new guy slash gal is like. Um, so that's interesting that uh, they're, they're, what they're trying to do here is not draw attention to the fact that they've sort of summarily dismissed their their former leading man and they just want to sort of convince you that it's it's business as usual um which is uh, which is a you know a legitimate approach but I, I i think now what you try and do is you try to um you you try to do a bit more explanation would you yeah i think so uh yeah i think the four, four eyes thing is great um and uh Bill Dudman, I think, did a lot of this uh, this model work. Uh, he, uh, who's the film cameraman, William Dudman, um, and I don't know if Kathleen Dudman's husband 
who is also, I think, called William in The Curse of Fenric, is named after Bill. He was one of the first people that got in touch with me when I did my Who's Round podcast. And he worked, I mean, he worked on Fury from the Deep as a, as a, some sort of, you know, junior, junior, lowly assistant guy. Um, but he shot all the model work for season 24 and kept it. So if any of it's on the disc, uh, uh, I think some of that must have come from, come from Bill because I, I passed it on. I don't know if they all, they might have already had it. So I'm not taking full credit for that, but, um, Bill certainly gave me, uh, all the stuff that he shot, uh, on a DVD that he kept, um, kept all the star cop stuff as well. Um, so there they are, two old mates. Uh, and I like their costumes too. I like the colour scheme. And the Doctor is 953. Uh, now, Colin had said, I'm a 900-year-old Time Lord, hadn't he? Although in Silurians, uh, John Pertwee talks about living for several thousand years. Um, but I think that's pretty definitive because it's a plot... Well, it's not a plot point, but it's a, it's a, it's a jeopardy point that uh, 953 is his age and the Rani's. Um, so the Rani's TARDIS is made of CSO, uh, which has got better since the Pertwee era, but you can still spot it, can't you? Because bits of her legs disappear, and it's very hard with that hair, with that wig. Um, but it's not a set that's in it for long enough to justify building a set. Uh, you can tell it's quite... There's quite a lot of moisture in the air of the quarry for what it does to Kate O'Mara's wig and Bonnie Langford's hair. Bonnie Langford's hair, by the way, is amazing. Look at that. That's, a, that's incredible hair. I, I, I don't quite know how she keeps it under control because uh, I've known women with hair. And, um, uh, and, it's, and it takes some wrangling, but especially of that volume and that uh, curliness. Um, I'd, uh, I I like Donald Pickering, but I do think he's better at... I do think he's better served as a villain. Uh, I mean, but he does a perfectly good job as Baez here. But he has a, that that sort of... That Britishness that he has, that uh, that sort of quite clipped delivery that he has, uh, I, I think makes him particularly good. I think he's brilliant as Captain Blade in... in and and he's very good as Ison in in Keith's marriage, but it, Captain Blade in the in the faceless ones is a is a superb study in cold villainy. I I love uh, the we've just seen the Rani go into a base, which to add to the glitter gun and the space tinsel uh, has painted blue rocks outside because oh, we've got some rocks. How do we make them space rocks? Spray them blue. Um, there's a lot of stuff like that that I quite enjoy, even though I don't think I should. Um, so. So the idea is that the Rani is collecting lots of geniuses. Um, and I quite like that because it means you get the cameo from Einstein, which I think is, is quite sweet. Um, it's, I, I, wonder if, I wonder if they considered getting you know, Patrick Moore or David Attenborough. That would have been quite... No, it would have been awful. Um, but it would have been nice in, in retrospect. Um, I can't even remember what the, the, the cliffhanger to this episode is. Oh, yes, I can. It's... Um, doesn't he go into the doesn't he go into the tetrap place yeah um she's still I, i'd forgotten she dressed as mel for quite quite this long uh does she stay as mel for the whole thing i don't think she does and 
I mean, it's quite revolutionary, the idea of going, well, let's have a let's have a baddie Time Lord. And the twist is, it's a woman, because women aren't allowed to do much. Uh, but actually, this has got quite a high female quotient in the cast. Um, he was handsome, wasn't he, Donald Pickering? I know I had his autograph once on a theatre thing, and I think my mother cleared it away. I had some theatre programmes with stuff that had been left behind for me uh, uh, by a friend at uh, at the Grand Theatre of Hampton. I had him, I had Dursley McClendon, uh, I had a couple of the guys, I had Carl Forgione from Ghostlight, and they were all in a drawer in a desk, and I think my mother cleared them out, because uh, I don't have those anymore, uh, which is very sad for me. Um, but I, I'm, I'm lost. I haven't lost too many things over the years. Because uh, I, I like to think I get paranoid about losing things. Uh, that's great. And the lighting the lighting there is very nice. The lighting suddenly got much better. In fact, the lighting should be at this, this kind of level all the time. It would be better. She She's game there, Kate. She, she, she pulls that off. Um, although it is quite stodgy. Um, uh, and this is, the, yes, this is the cliffhanger. Because, uh, and this has been nicely set up because we've seen that sort of whatever it is, and it looks a bit like sort of gooey blood uh, coming to feed the tetrap. So this has been nicely signalled. Uh, so we know this is some sort of dangerous place. And they look great hanging upside down. I remember they were originally, were they on one of, was it the original Target cover? Was just them hanging upside down in a photo? And, and I think there was a kind of, yeah, we're not, that's, that's, come on, this is, this has got, a new doctor and the rani in it and you've just grabbed a photo of the monsters did they ever use that i think it may have just been a uh, an original try that was then you know rightly vetoed but they're great that idea of having and they look good they look like bats and i think monsters that are based on things we we sort of understand the biology of uh, it, it gives us a little bit of an in and it makes them sort of convincing yeah um and that's that's quite nicely shot uh yeah, yeah, I'll take that. I'll take that. There we go. Am I enjoy? Am I? Am I enjoying time and the Rani enough? Which remember, I mean, and it's difficult as well because most of the stories I'm watching for this I've watched relatively recently because I watch Doctor Who all the time. Um, so it's really odd watching watching one I I haven't seen for at least a decade. Um, Tony Redston, the production manager, died recently. And Fagetta, I interviewed, thought she, gosh, I think her first credit was on, well, not credit, but her first time on Doctor Who was the Macra Terror. Uh, she, she, she did a lot. I liked her. She was a, 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 a very nice uh, woman. Uh, and yeah, I enjoyed her. She's, she's on, she's on uh, a, a Who's Round, if you want to check it out on my Big Finish Who's Round podcast. Jeff Powell, we never, we've never found Jeff Powell. Um, I know he smoked a lot because he, I think he drew a lot of his designs on the back of Benson and Hedges packets. <laughs> um, so, I'm pausing that, and I'm going to see what the what. Oh, what have I just paused? Oh, I've just paused Netflix. Did, <laughs> right, hang on. Right. So, what is Anthony? going to say about time and the Rani part two. 
So before I go over to Anthony, uh, my favourite thing about Time and the Rani episode two is... Uh, well, I did... I did Bonnie Langford as uh, Kate O'Mara as Bonnie Langford for part one. So I'm going to go for what I nearly went with for part one that still feature in part two. And that is uh, the bubble traps, which I think are a terrific special effect and stand up well today. And they were good at the time. Okay, so Mr. Haydoke has just been enjoying himself immensely through part two of Time and the Rani. Um, what can we say about it? Well, again, there's lots to say, but one of the things I mentioned is uh, is 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 these guys here, Ooh, the Tetraps. I think they're a fantastic monster. They are different. They're bat-like. Okay, they look like dumpy blokes, but there you go. But the eyes, the four eyes, is is just uh, a fun thing as well. Seeing how they use the the camera work to uh, to show that. So the reveal is in this episode and they're rather fab. But I think what we have to talk about specifically here is a pretty amazing guest cast who are, uh, most of them, doing their all to the script. Whatever you think about it, their performances are just taking it completely seriously, as, of course, you have to do. But we have Donald Pickering, yeah. uh, who has, of course, been in Who Before and the Faceless Ones. We have Kate O'Mara being wonderful on only a second return and, and, and she's so great that she has become part of Doctor Who lore just from two stories. Everyone's always going about where's the Rani coming back but you can't really imagine the role without Kate O'Mara. But the person I want to mention here and the highlight of this episode is somebody who I have always had a thing for. I don't know why. I just think she's utterly, utterly amazing and wonderful. And in fact, when I finally got to meet her a couple of years ago, after I came away, I had a little cry. I was just so happy and she was wonderful. And um, yeah, so highlight of part two is the amazing, the incredible, the utterly beautiful Wanda Ventham. Ah, uh, yeah. Now I could have gone for Wanda Ventham and especially her tears, because as I say, real tears are very rare in classic Doctor Who. It's not often you see sort of, you know, that kind of genuine uh, emotion, uh, you know, so vividly done. So that's a good choice, and I think probably a better one than mine. So I will tip my hat to Anthony, um, whilst also... So, yeah, so I'm... I'm, I'm it's... It's, t it's too... It's too nil to Anthony, so um, I'm hoping this is not uh, a premonition of what's going to happen with the football on Sunday. I'm recording this in the lead up to uh, the European final, in which which England are in for the first time in my lifetime. Uh, whereas uh, Time and the Rani for me was on well half a lifetime ago. Goodness me, more than that even. How old was I when this was on? Uh, I was 13, 13, 14, gosh, now I'm 47, gosh, well, I've been, I've had, I've had two sets of, <laughs> have I had two sets, so 14, 28, 40, I've had, I've had two of the, the, the amount of life I've lived by the time this was on, I've lived twice over. Oh my 
God. Oh, the humanity. Well, look, it flies by. So we have to grasp it and enjoy it as much as we can. Uh, and I'm very much enjoying the company of somebody who, uh, as I say, um, uh, always injects a bit of positivity and joy into everything. And that is Anthony Townsend, who is uh, teaching me the ways to love time and the Rani. And uh, and so please just listen out for the GoFundMe at the end of this, um, if you possibly can. Uh, just to uh, help Anthony at a difficult time. That is not why Anthony did this. Anthony did this before um, uh, any sort of diagnosis uh, was made. Anthony did this to join in the fun of being in happy times and places and was one of the very first people to agree to do it. But uh, I've just been, I've been, you know, I've been eking out the McCoys because they were snapped up and there are so few of them and I want them to last, obviously, as through as much of this podcast as as is possible um so um this was just a you know a timing thing um for why it's taken so long for this one to come out which was actually going to come out uh, a lot later had i been left to uh, my own devices but anyway i'm happy to bring it forward uh, to coincide with the, uh, the the recent release of the season 24 box set as much as anything else so you've had Dragonfire, now you've got time and the rani uh, and we've got two more episodes to go um uh so leave the vam it's the episodes i want uh, and we'll do another one next time uh, thanks for listening and if you are for watching uh, and uh, i will speak to you again on the planet lakersha uh, next time thank you so much for listening to happy times and places which is presented by me toby haydoke and I'd like to flag up my very special guest, Anthony Townsend, who is on Twitter, at Antoine Fruit. I would like to thank Toby Haydoke's Time Travels patrons, who include Luke Atkins, Peter Adamson, Will Brooks, Peter Burns, Rick Byatt, Alex Cafajolu, Paul Carnahan, Andy Case, Richard Chalk, John Curley, Mark Dakin, Ian Gillespie, James Gould, Lisa C. Greco, Dave Hoskin, Jessica Jones, Andrew Jordan, Clive Lewis, Guy Lambert, James Lark, Gavin McLean, David Matthewman, John McClay, Rossa McPhillips, Stuart Mitchell, Nathan Moore, Matthew Newton, and Melvin Pena. The music for this podcast is by Dave Gates, and the podcast artwork by Dylan Patterson. Dear, dear Anthony is unfortunately very poorly at the moment and a GoFundMe page has been set up to provide assistance. You can find that on GoFundMe. It's called A Small Hand for Anthony. Anthony is with no H and with an I instead of a Y. A-N-T-O-N-I. The it, It's beyond my ken to share verbally uh, the link because it seems to go on forever. So I will be posting it on my personal Twitter Haydoak uh, Podcasts is the Twitter for Toby Haydoak's Time Travels. Toby Haydoak is the Twitter for me, but I'll be posting it on both of my Twitter feeds uh, and and in the literature and blurb for this podcast. And look, I know times are tough, but even a small amount 
uh, from everybody uh, accumulates into a large amount from us all. Um, so if you could do that, that would be lovely. If not, of course, uh, maybe just send some positive vibes and best wishes. Uh, I know Anthony would appreciate them. Uh, you can be a patron of all things uh, Toby Haydock's Time Travel Podcast-wise at patreon.com forward slash Toby Haydock. But that doesn't seem quite so important right now. So I'll tell you what, what's free? Go to iTunes and give me a five-star review. Uh, no, a five-star rating and a very nice review. I think that's how it works. But um, uh, I've been told I need those in order to negotiate my way through this brave new world of podcasting. Thanks very much. 